Welcome to Aw Crap, the Hellboy podcast, the show dedicated to the half-demon hero. Hosted by me, Kate Thompson. And me, Mark David Christensen. Yeah! Yeah! Yeah, man! (laughs) (laughs) What? Did you say, yeah, man? Yeah, man! Yeah, man! I don't know why. I'm pumped up. (laughs) It's it sort of sounds like to me immediately like a, a, a Muppet character. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> and you you sort of because you're cold in your apartment, you have a little bit of a lumberjack look right now. I'm very bundled up. It's <laughs> even that, like I know everyone's like LA doesn't get cold, but it gets like cold. it gets pretty cold sometimes. <laughs> Especially, it's colder inside my apartment than outside, as I've already told you, but we have no insulation, so it just stays cold in here or something. I, I don't know how it's fucking working, but goddamn yeah. it, it's freezing. Yeah, it is freezing. It's cold in <laughs> our place, too. So it's everywhere in L.A. today. Yeah. And our, our weather has been up and down of recent. Like, it, yeah. will, like it, it will, like, warm up. And then it will get cold again and get really cloudy. It messes with my sinuses when that happens. Me too. I'm feeling it because it's so fucking dry. Yes. The dry. I'm scratching. I mean, that's to, you know, <laughs> to let you too much into my life. I'm scratching dried boogers out of my fucking nose with like a Whoa. tissue every two. S- it's like scratching. Yeah. I get the it. The hard ones. The crusty guys. <laughs> and you got to be like, oh, it's bad. Sorry. I know. We give everything kinda to the gross, listeners. Kind of gross, but we could cut this out. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> Saving only the gold for this show. That's true. Only the sorry. gold. <laughs> we could cut out my talk about boogers. I'm sorry. I'm no, really we're not. You can keep talking about cutting out the booger oh, talk, but it's Christ. not going to happen, Kate. Okay, let's go. <laughs> Let's move past it then. All right. Well, this episode is our our last um, in this storyline, King of Fear Part 3, which we're going to discuss issue five. Uh, very excited for the conclusion of that storyline. But before we get to that, we got some segments for you. Um, here's a segment I've tried to – I think I – I'm going to stick to this one, but I think I, I just got to call it that I think it's changed and been called something in the past before. This is right hand of IPs, uh, hell at the cinema is what I think we used to call it. And also I wrote down as a joke, helluloid. I like helluloid. <laughs> I like puns, so I'm well, into it. Well, there's a pun for you, helluloid. Hell yeah. Um, I'm into so it. So Rod Perlman's at it again, talking about the third... <laughs> <laughs> Guillermo del Toro Hellboy. <laughs> Just let him have it. Shoot I know. It. I know. Like, well, it's so funny. He was in some in- interview with the Independent, apparently, and this is what he said. I guess he at- got asked a question because I didn't read the full interview or anything. Yeah. But he says, "I'm eager to do Hellboy three. <laughs> no, I'm f- 70, 71 fucking years old," said Perlman. But. We owe this to the fans, and we should give it to them because it would be an epic conclusion. So, Guillermo, if you're reading, I'm done pounding you to get this fucking I'm thing done. I'm not done pounding you. I'm not done pounding getting this fucking thing done. Yeah. One, I love how much he says fuck, like, in, like, formal interviews. Yeah. <laughs> I just like people who lean into their grumpy old man. Uh, he he truly is that. Yeah. <laughs> but this is very funny because it's like... He is like continually said he didn't want to do the other one. He only wants to work with Guillermo. Yeah. No one really knows where this this other one sits or this third one could even if there's a script. They didn't I, shoot it. They didn't it's, shoot. No. Yeah, like uh, you know, shout out. There's a campaign online called like Release Hellboy Three. You know, there's go for release yet. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. But the language is confusing to us because it's just like. You're using that weird, like, Scott Snyder, like, release the, the Snyder cut when it's like, yeah, that existed. Like, he he shot, he had a version of it his own before yeah. bad boy uh, Josh Whedon took over. I would love to see Ron Perlman in a third Hellboy. I don't give a shit if he's old. <laughs> yeah. I don't care. Like, I mean, with technologies th- this day, like, you got D, de- if you, you can, you can either go the de-aging. Yeah. Like that one Terminator with, like, Arnold's face. I just rewatched Captain Marvel listening to commentary the other day, and I was like, oh, yeah, the de-aging on Samuel Jackson's pretty good. Yeah. Look, really yeah. good. Really and good so stuff. you you definitely can go that avenue. Yeah. Or, as I wrote down here, old man Hellboy. Because you could pull... We got an one. old man Wolverine. Yeah, you had old man And with the way we left off, and I'm going to open this up to our listeners. Please send in your pitches. We've had pitches before, (laughs) but now we have like him saying at 71, he's willing to do it for the fans. I'm very curious 
what you would want if he decided to see us. Like, are we at what this age? And not only him, but you have Doug Jones, who's now older, even though he would be in makeup as Abe Sabian. You do have, um, uh, oh my gosh, Selma Blair. Yeah. As Liz, she's older. She's also fighting a terrible disease. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, you have to like work around things. So I think old man Hellboy, my pitch is, you do old man Hellboy. The twins have been born because we know what the end of the. That's right. The that's tw- right. Yes, She's twins. With twins. <laughs> it's so silly. So to me, I feel like Hellboy three is gonna be old man Hellboy, but it's gonna be him as like a, a grumpy now like a dad. Yeah. Dealing with the twins and staving off. Well, like, they'll be grown children at this point, wouldn't they? I, when, when was that movie? Yeah, made? they would be made. grown more. Yeah. It'd be like old teenagers. Yeah, I think I think you go the, the the Bill and Ted way. You know what I mean? Where you just yeah have Hellboy be old and the kids are are like in their at least their teens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then yeah. have Guillermo have some fun with that. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Maybe it's a movie where Hellboy gets taken back to hell and the kids got to go get him back or it, or vice hell. versa. I think there was a pitch that um friend of the podcast and, you know, regular emailer Kevin Hines gave a whole long pitch of this in an older episode. I can't remember which one. And so you could listen to that and I know it dealt with the twins. But I'm saying now because sometimes I'm like, just if they're old, they're old. If the actor's old now, we can't don't hide it that much. Like, yeah, yeah. I guess the only thing, yeah, the only thing is like you're not going to get Hellboy punching stuff, which is like a real big part of Hellboy, you know. Or, I don't know. Playing into the old thing is that you build it up like he's not going to get, you're not going to get a punch into it, but you save him coming back to punch stuff for the third act. You know what I mean? He's yeah. old the whole time. He's like, I don't want to do this no more. Yeah. And then we're all like, oh, I guess that's not the movie we're going to get, but we get to watch the twins bump, punch some stuff. They're punching and lighting fires, presumably. But then in the third act, he has to come, you know, get a, Yeah. He's got to get off his lazy boy with cats. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm hungry for candy bars and pizza and beer you want a babe ruth okay yeah <laughs> but i don't know do you have any other ideas that you would want to have in, in a third it Hellboy? would have to be something like that like you can't put ron perlman through the fucking ringer he's gonna like break a hip or something <laughs> and i love ron perlman did i did i talk about how i met him on this podcast before i probably did maybe i think br- maybe but say it again. i didn't meet him i i saw him i saw him at the supermarket and i was like i wish i i didn't say anything to him because i don't want to bother celebrities. I was like, this is going to end badly if I talk to him. I'm just not going to talk to him. But if I straight up went up to him and was like, I love you as Hellboy. I do a Hellboy (laughs) podcast. I think he would have taken a picture with me and loved it. As much as he talks about Hellboy, I kick myself every day. Every single day I wake up. first. Yeah, I think he would have. Because you would have come from a positive point of view. Exactly. Yeah. And not expected anything, but I think he would have been like, you're on my campaign trail for getting fucking Hellboy 3 out there (laughs) or whatever. But also some of this, like his language seems almost like it's it's like he's just like steering, stirring the pot. Like there's a part that's like, I don't think he thinks it's actually going to happen happen either. I mean, him (laughs) saying, you know, but okay, so that's what it would have to be. You'd have to give him like a way where he could be like sitting down. You know, most of the time. Yeah. And yeah, they have to like rescue somebody. And then it's like up to Abe and the two kids. Like basically one is like, it's like Lady in the Tramp style. One kid looks like dad. One kid looks like mom. And the, so you have like surrogate Liz's, a surrogate Liz and a surrogate Hellboy. And they're going to go off and do something. I love this idea. Maybe make it an Abe-centric, Abe-centric thing. I love that pitch of you putting Abe into the mix there and being yeah. like sort of the like Abe-centric, but he sort of has to be like like a pseudo father-mother figure through the big adventure. He is the leader of the BPRD now, and and these two young Hellboy kids have to figure it out. I love this. I'm going to put, I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to spin more off of your idea. Okay. I think if we jump <laughs> further in time, so Manning now has retired. Yeah. Abe has taken Manning's job. So when we first are introduced to the new, like the continuation of Hellboy 3, Abe is sort of like taking a desk job. His desk might be like him in a little water tank, but still. He's right. Like, but he's still like. He's like, yeah. he hasn't been out on the um, actual like field for a couple of years. Sure. So everybody thinks he's not even into it first. You know what I mean? But then, of course, he's like, well, I'm going to get off from this desk and go help these Hellboy's kids. So yeah. it is still Abe-centric, and we, we learn some sort of arc along the way with him as well. 
Cole. I think it's a great idea. Kate. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. All right. I'm going to tweet Guillermo and tag fucking <laughs> tag Ron Perlman. Guillermo, let us write this with your wife because we know you and your wife writing movies together now that you wrote Nightmare Alley. Bringing me and Kate will help you. Have you seen that? Is that out? Yeah, I thought it was fine. I, I haven't seen it yet. I think it's a we movie. We just watched Crimson Peak. I'm just getting caught up. Yikes. I know. I Crimson know. Peak is a low point for me for him. I wish there was so much cool shit that like was getting promised and then a lot of stuff like just didn't get delivered at the end. But I, I was like, man, the posters for this movie were so good. Yeah, and his, still his like design. His, yeah. touch, his touch of design. It still looks beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I just don't like a, f- uh, a strong female lead who's like promised to be a strong female lead and then she falls in love and then totally. beca- immediately becomes dumb. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. She like just goes with it by the just end. I was like, they just wanted to make a haunted house movie. Like yeah. he just wanted to make a big haunted house. And he's the guy and to do he, it. He has a cool haunted house. And then I thought the stuff with like in the beginning where she's talking to Dr. Sherlock or whatever his name is in the movie. And she's like, he's talking about like, oh, you can fake ghost pictures with photography, but you can't fake it with these like glass things. So it's like maybe they'll have some cool thing where it's like, technology is being used and they're like projecting these things or something but they were real ghosts and i'm fine with that but it was like i i just thought like there were a lot of cool things introduced that i was like maybe this will be something and then it just was like a haunted house movie which was totally fine but it's like it's not going on my top guillermo movies for sure yeah there's others yeah. i'll i'll revisit long before that one will never be watched. that being <laughs> said like his worst movie is still good Still and watchable. I still like to watch it. Yeah, I was like, okay, I'm into it. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, cool. cool I thought cool. the ghost looked scary as shit. Yeah, his yeah. He, he knows how to make something look creepy and terrifying. Yeah, percent. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. Cool. <laughs> but well, speaking of of his movies, Doug Jones has always been a big part of his movies for the mm-hmm. majority. He's worked with them quite a lot. Um, Doug Jones is going to receive the chair award from the Makeup Artist and Hairstylist Guide. Guild. Why did I say guide? Guild. (laughs) (laughs) He should. Yeah, exactly. I was like, that seems like a no-brainer. Yeah. Um, This is what the president of the Yahtzee Local 706 had to say, Um, Julie uh, Sokash. Talk to any number of the top makeup artists and hairstylists in our industry, and they will tell you Doug Jones is a true pleasure to work and collaborate with. He is a talented, consummate professional with infinite patience while morphing into all his memorable characters. No one is more deserving of this honor, and we wish him a heartfelt congratulations. That's great. That's yeah. great. He seems like a very nice guy. And he should get that. It's so hard to hold still for that long of a time. It yeah. seems like torturous, but he must like go into some Zen state and still be pleasant to people. Like I bet some people are assholes when they have to get that much makeup done every day i bet he's like so nice if they're giving him this award yeah and i think (laughs) that's nice to hear he's interesting because he is one of the the people out there and i bet there's others that i just don't know their names as well as doug jones but doug jones is sort of very a very physically wise even though he's covered in makeup layers of prosthetics his physicality is very like memorable and you like he's still acting Yeah. yeah He's still acting in there. It's like, yeah, yeah. It's very cool. And I think, you know, congratulations to him for that. Yeah, like, that's great. Awesome. Well, that's our segment of the Helluloid. <laughs> <laughs> On to our next segment before we get to discussing the issue is we got a segment of Hell to Pay. Cha-ching. Cha-ching. <laughs> Big ching for this one. So we definitely, I one of our lucky listeners won one of these, a small version of it from Mantic Gaze, which is the giant robot, robot, fil, robot Hellboy figure that Mantic Games created based on one of the sketches from the, the quarantine sketchbook, um, one of the big hits that Mignola created. But now there is going to be a yeah. giant robot Hellboy from Dark Horse, uh, Mike Mignola, and Mantic, Mantic Games that's large it's a super yeah, huge it's a big old thing it's great there's only 500 of these i guess pre-order right now from dark horse uh, direct for 179.99 product packaging size so this gives you an idea is 14 by 64 inches dimension by 20 
uh, 0.66 inches height, and then, you know, you get it. But we're looking at images right now. It's really beautiful. I love all these photos they give you, too. Just looking at the photos is fun. One of my favorites, they have, like, one for size that's next to the figure that I have. The original just game piece that Mantic Games created. This thing is so much bigger than it, and it's fully painted, of course. I love the silver I like like a, it's like a very Iron Giant for sure. sort of coloring. Yeah, I love the orange eyes. It, I mean, the buildings, the destruction below it is really detailed, like simple but detailed. Yeah, I love it. I think I mean, if I had one hundred and seventy nine ninety nine to waste in a space to put this thing that was understandable to me and my wife, I would do it. <laughs> <laughs> but there's no. I look around. I'm like, where would I put this thing? It would be in a box. For years until I put it out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I need my own nerdy little room. I feel like my nerd stuff is like taking over part of the apartment and it's like, uh-oh. I can feel Jessica being like, what's up <laughs> with this? Yeah, I, that. <laughs> I had to be like, oh, my comic books are piling up on my nightstand. My I had to clean my, my podcast desk, had to get cleaned up and I had to move them all in here. And I have comics from when I'm a kid. Like, it's hard for me to get rid of comic books, dude. Oh, yeah. I mean, I had to buy another box yeah. recently just yeah. because of that. Totally. Totally. Here's a little thing. I don't know if we ever talked about this. I can't remember this, but they have like a fun which thing they created for, I think. And I just think we might have not read it. If we did, I apologize if we're rereading this again. But there's like a fun, a brief history of the giant robot Hellboy. And I read it and I was like, I don't remember reading this, but I want it's to read it. It's funny that this. they even bothered to give it a history. You know, yeah. it's, yeah. And it's so funny. I'm. I think we did and we just forgot, but it says discovered in a cave in Japan in 1972, apparently built by a secret group of Japanese scientists, purpose unknown, and abandoned in the 1950s. Turned over to the American government as a worthless curiosity after examination showed no sign of how to operate it and apparently no power source. It was eventually discovered by accident that if Hellboy could be put into a deep trance, he would mentally inhabit the robot <laughs> and bring it to life. Great. Retired carnival hypnotist Gordy Slock has more luck than anyone at performing the trick of transferring Hellboy's mind into the robot. A difficult operation, and not one that HB enjoys, but something that can be attempted in the most dire emergency situation. Sure. That makes me think if we're going to eventually get like like a one-shot or like a mini-series of uh, a comic book version of giant robot Hellboy. Yeah. Because I, mean, I got the story right uh, there. There's the outline, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Some big monster. <laughs> and, and, and then he gets trance. to fight a big monster, yeah. Exactly, yeah. like have a have a, um, a kaiju fight. Kaiju? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's pretty much what the monster, the, the, the Ogdru Haim are. Just exactly. Just crazy versions, different types of kaiju. Oh, yeah. But yeah, so that's very cool. Everybody, just remind you, you can get that. You can, we'll post, of course, pictures when this episode goes live. It yeah. will be, definitely has been out there for a while since recording this, but hopefully the pre-order will still be available for all of you that can get it at $179.99 if you haven't already pre-ordered it. Heck, if you can, pre-order us, me and Kate, one each. Okay? Yeah, right. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I'll find a space for it if somebody pays for it. I, I will package it away until one day I have my own That's right. room and office. Until you can get a pedestal. <laughs> <laughs> that's all for this week's hell to pay um i just want to do a big quick reminder to all of our listeners we'd love to hear all your thoughts on anything we just discussed as well as anything we are going to discuss in the coming issue or any past episode yeah. and you can share your thoughts and we love to share those thoughts and read your emails by sending us those at our email of ah crap a hellboy podcast at gmail.com and then once we get your emails then we can have segments of oh boy email so please send <laughs> us your thoughts we love them all right well that gets us into why we're here that we're gonna finish off issue five the final issue of bprd's king of fear yeah king of fear i'll hand it over to you kate to so go through this and hell yeah okay so written by mike mignola and john arcudi illustrated by guy davis and mike mignola uh, colored by Dave Stewart, lettered by Clem Robbins, edited by Scott Alley, and originally published <laughs> between January and May of 2010. Yeah, so we left off on a huge, barely even a cliffhanger, somewhat of a resolution. I guess not really, as we'll see in, in number five here. We see kind of Liz off in her own 
world that she's been ushered to by the ghost of Memnon Saw, where she's looking at presumably photos of the future of the BPRD Mm -hmm. that include Hellboy, that include a different looking Abe, that include a like juiced up version of um, the, the mummy, Panya. So it's like, you know, very interesting shit. Then she's like, uh, a monk appears to her and, or like a shaman appears to her and tells her to like, you know, burn it up. <laughs> she starts burning everything, burning, uh, you know, this kind of like vision of the future. Also burning up the thousands and upon millions of incubating frog creatures in this huge cavern. <laughs> we, we also see that Black Flame is like letting Abe know some like weird place that he has in this whole thing is going to show him this incubating creature inside the like robot monsters. But, you know, the shaman appears quickly, grabs Abe and the BPRD and disappears with them, leaving only the Black Flame and the frog creatures and the Hyperboreans down there to be consumed by fire, presumably Ooh. from Liz blowing the cavern up. Yeah. And that's where we left off, yeah. So then chapter five, we got this, this neat cover. This cover is probably my favorite cover in, of, of this series. And yeah. I just, it's so simplistic, classic Mignola, but I love the creature. And I love, I just think it's a, such a cool, simplistic design. Yeah, it's like, uh, but it also has all of this like interwoven, like writhing, tentacly kind of uh, crustacean-y, Lovecraft-y sort of shit going on behind the title here, yeah. which is really fun. And it's all emanating from this giant creature that seems to be glowing, emanating this light from within its mouth. Within its, like, jaw mandibles with a flame, almost, like, similar to, like, the flame that we've seen appear above Hellboy's head. Yeah, or Liz, too. Or Liz, I'm starting to realize Liz has that as well. Yeah. And that's, like, interesting that her flame sort of is visually identical to some of these beings as well. And I agree. When the flame of his... uh, that's a good point. The crown. Yeah, very, very eerie. So you're like, how the f- who's who's this guy? How's he coming into play? Yeah. So yeah, that's what we'll see in this issue. <laughs> it starts off with like stuff that I feel like you kind of have to address with a story like this, where it's like so large and crossing into like international fucking fracases and stuff. You know, yep. it's like okay, so they're finally talking to the Security Council at the UN, and like <laughs> yeah. they're kind of like. So, like, you know, you have Tom and Kate and Johan at this meeting with, like, a ton of people talking about how this enormous explosion, this fire explosion, had this terrible effect on nearby cities and countries. You have, like, complete destruction of whole nations. Basically, It's like Borneo is supposed to be here, but it's not, like, on the news and stuff like that. So... Shit is devastating. I mean, it's such a horrific visual that they do it uh, yeah. on a on a whole spread, two page spread of just like the aftermath. Ooh. A mother clutching her dead child and like wailing, and then like yeah, total mayhem. Buildings collapsed and fires. Which is interesting because it's like I think this is maybe for a grander like sort of going forward, but it's interesting that like in our life we left somebody like burning up a potential future of like destruction. Yeah. But what we're sort of given is like, but left a similar outcome for some people. Yeah. For some in part of the world, which is very fascinating to me. I don't know if that's going to have a broader connection in the bigger story or not, but I'm feeling like it might, but go on. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's the thing too. It's like, there's this destruction, but it happens to like, it happens to like Borneo and it's like, not brushed off, but it's like, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, there's not like this level of destruction in like a European city or an American city. You know what I mean? Right. Um. So, yeah, there's that. Something happened in California that the UN kind of uh lets them in on, lets the BPRD in on. But then we get this cutaway to Abe and Andrew Devin and a few other BPRD agents in a hospital, like in hospital beds getting cared for. So they, we know that they've made it out alive. We don't see yeah. Liz. Liz is, like, noticeably absent. And they're kind of talking, like, the UN continues to talk to them to the point where it sounds like they're going to be, like, maybe shut down almost. But uh, then they kind of talk about, oh, meanwhile, 
in the Salton Sea in California, this huge like saduhem creature has appeared. <laughs> it's like slumbering. It's like sitting there dormant almost like, but there's this strange smoke emitting from its like smokestack kind of a mouth. Yeah. This panel, this reveal panel of this creature. Yeah. I just love the simplicity of it. I think Guy Davis, this is some of Guy Davis and Dave Stewart's, some of their best work. I think this, yeah. this one two page spread of its first and with a crowd of people around it. And that smoke is just, I don't know. I love the, that the blue that he's using to really make that red pop. Yeah. That Stewart has chosen is just so, I wish this is a page that if I could get like a picture, like printed, like, or a proper, like big print of it, I would. <laughs> yeah. It's really cool. It's, and it's eerie too. Cause it's like holding still, Ugh. but it's still like, it's just like em, em, emitting this noxious smoke. Like you can tell it's bad. You don't want to yeah. breathe that in. <laughs> and yeah, so they're basically talking about like, not like defending themselves. They're just talking about how it's like, okay, so this has shifted from a domestic problem to a global problem. And the Security Council's like, yeah, that's why we're going to be backing you basically then they get reports while they're having this meeting intelligence has learned about a plane that flew through this like smoke that the creature is emitting in california had to make an emergency landing there should be survivors but instead of like human survivors these creatures crawl out like the smoke has transformed humans into um some more like crustacean-y creepy crawlies they have this like long thumb like a split arm all the way up the middle and like goo is falling out of them and stuff like that so yeah they look bad (laughs) so that's where it ends where the UN is basically telling the BPRD you know whatever resources you require weapons equipment transportation come to us directly we'll see that you get it and they shake hands and that's kind of it and Kate as they're leaving the UN they show Kate Johan and Manning Kate's like this is good this is a reason to celebrate now we can fight these wars We'll have the support that we need, you know, but it's kind of still like a weird somber moment because like all this shit is all this bad shit has happened. Manning says, oh, I feel like I should call headquarters, but what's the point? Nobody's there. But then when we cut to headquarters, we see Panya still being cared for by a doctor who's basically telling her like, hey, we're going to give you this medicine, get you treated. And you might be up walking around after like maybe a year or so. And she's like, oh, great. You know, she's getting better just as like. All of this bad shit is happening, though, and uh, we get, like, her, Panya, like, interacting with this little cat for a second. Hardly seems fair, does it, Ollie, where she's like, I'm just getting better now that the the shit is popping off. <laughs> yeah. Um, then it cuts back to the hospital where we have the BPRD agents. Abe is letting another BPRD agent know, you know, we were suddenly transported to Austria, which, like, I looked it up. It's, like, 24 hour plus plane ride away from where they were so like they're like <laughs> wow transported like zapped to just another part of the world completely they have some frostbite from like climbing down from a frozen mountain basically and then abe's like who's this dude and kate comes up to explain hey he's from the un and it's a good thing he's here it's great and i'm so glad you guys survived and then Devin's, she's like saying, oh, hey, Devin, sorry, you know, like you were just supposed to be like desk job and now you're like this battle worn soldier <laughs> or whatever. And he's like, that's OK. I feel, you know, I want to help. But then he says this thing to Kate where she he, she like leans in and he goes, uh, there is something you can do for me. She says, of course, anything. He says, get my bed as far from Abe as you can, like trying to say it quietly. Whoa. So he's freaked out by Abe, whatever the black flame was about to show him was clearly like concerning to the other BPRD agents. They all kind of were side eyeing Abe by the end of the their interaction with black flame. So, yeah. And it makes me think, is he acting different, too, since then? Right, right, right. Because he is he is like he is even look at the the way Guy Davis is look like draws his face in that yeah. first close up in the bed. Yeah. When he's like asking, he's like. When he's sort of getting tired of the questioning, you'd think a guy who can magically transport around the world could land you a nicer locale. He's definitely his like language and his attitude is far different from the Abe we've known, who's sort of a little gentler, even when shit is not like in the 
the best, I guess. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're saying he's being like a little more blunt or like something. Yeah, it's not even like Hellboy blunt and it's like, it's changed. And look at his, I mean, I don't know how much has changed since the last, but his his like little fish flaps (laughs) are definitely more narrow. More prominent or more narrow. Okay, okay. Yeah, I don't know. Am I crazy? I I have no idea. At this I'm looking point, back. Not, I mean, yeah, I guess I they have been growing and they were longer already, but he's changing. Something's changing. That's all I'm trying freaky. to say. Maybe I'm. Yeah. <laughs> but it is just freaky that Devin's like, get me the hell away from him. Yeah. He just either way. He's like, yeah, he wants some a little distance between him and Abe. Then it cuts to Zinko president, uh, Mr. Marston. Basically saying to an employee of his, I'm gonna that, say it's the PR, like the head of PR. Yeah, or some, <laughs> or, yeah, some kind of, uh, yeah, person in charge of like public relations, just like you said. And they're flying to like, they're kind of discussing. They're flying over the wreckage that the fire has caused. I would think, or like it set off some volcanoes that caused this horrible destruction. Yeah, they're definitely headed to Indonesia and Malaysia. Yeah, and he's like, we can, you know, give Indonesia and Malaysia these resources. We can give them, like, potable water. And, you know, we can do all of this and basically change the world. And, you know, we've seen Zinko before mm. trying to make some changes in the world. And it wasn't exactly for the benefit of people. Yeah. Yeah. So, and his, um like, PR person is basically like, yeah, great. Okay, so we're going to film you basically saying that in front of this like horrible wreckage. Um, I think it'll be pretty powerful. And Mr. Marston agrees. Yes, very powerful. Very Monty Burns moment. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. Yes, very powerful. Where it's like, okay, so you're saying this stuff where you're going to help this like, you know, help with communications and water fallout of this destruction, but it's like probably for your own benefit in some way. Yeah. Who knows who's pulling Zinko's strings at this moment? Yeah, right. Yeah, but it's never, you know, historically Zinko it hasn't been there for you know, for everyone's benefit. Yeah. And then we see like a sort of a steampunky little circular screen showing news footage of the slumbering Sadu Hem from in the Salton Sea. And we see a robotic body, at least, a robotic sort of like... Um, or a cyborg-esque Yeah, either a cyborg or somebody, yeah. The Garden of Souls. Yeah. So it begins, it says. And we see like this little tea set behind uh, him, and he's like in this submarine that... The one that we saw... It's the one that we've seen from Abe's that, past. Yeah, he, from Abe's yep. past where they went When he was diving. Langdon, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is all, it's like, oh, not all of them died on the, in, right. from the island, I guess. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> so what are they poking around down there for? And what's beginning <laughs> and what's going on? And what do you know about the Saduham? So yeah, it's like, uh, that can't be good. That's setting up for something. Then, meanwhile, it cuts to Bangkok. We see Liz is alive. Two French dudes are talking about how she's probably a prostitute. And she's like, <laughs> yeah, I speak French assholes. And they're like, oh, sorry. And she's like, well, you can do me a favor and fuck off. And then she goes, she has her cigarette in her mouth, but can't light it for some reason. And she asks them for a light. So maybe she can't use her powers right now or something. Yeah, it's a great little cliffhanger. It yeah. feels like a true like season finale, this yes. whole issue. Yeah. <laughs> like, can I say season? Because I think it's the Plague of Frogs, right? They're tying it, it up, like- but they're still leaving like, Plenty of questions for you to yeah. be like, what, what, why, what, why? But yeah, going yeah. backwards, I mean, I think for sure it, to me it indicates that she does not have her flight powers at this moment. Right, because she wouldn't Either ask she's... these two ding-dongs for a light if she could help it. Yeah, she would love to be like, she would scare them away normally. Like she yeah. would be like, you know what, fuck off and then light it through her <laughs> right. finger. You yeah. Know? Now she's like, oh, I have to ask these douchebags for a light. Right. Because I don't have that anymore. I yeah. gave it away, I guess, or we we don't know, which is a cool little moment for us. Yeah. I, I mean, she still looks pretty bummed and worn down. <laughs> yeah, she looks like worked over. She's not like her, you know, she's still wearing her BPRD stuff. So like that wasn't destroyed by the fire or whatever. She got out yeah. to Bangkok somehow in one piece. Yeah, man. I don't know. What's your favorite part? <laughs> I guess you I like mean, the you like the dormant Saduhem kind of guy, right? I really really do love that panel. I think yeah. I think that panel is awesome. Um 
That's my absolute favorite of this whole issue. Just because I feel like we, I, don't, I think what you were saying, like it just resting and being almost dormant and very little, like we're not seeing it movement because all the other like monsters we've seen have been in action. Even the one that right. was in Nebraska was like moving along and there was yeah. destruction and action around it. Yeah. This thing is just out but settled. And that is more haunting than any of anything we've seen yet especially seeing like <laughs> oh it's releasing this smoke that turns human beings into other you know the frogs are gone but there's still ways that they're gonna make little minions to kill this world yeah it's ugh. i think my favorite writing moment for me is is after the un meeting after they like get after like it turns out well for the BPRD, yeah. I love cutting outside and the holy shit, what just happened from Kate? Yeah, yeah. It's just fun writing, and I think, and it like sums up like it just ha it, like they really put our surprise into her. Yeah, like, we get to enjoy that surprise with her, and I think yeah. that's great. Totally. And then I like that they're she's just like let's go and celebrate and go to a bar, and I love all that stuff. But I mean, I really like. I think sometimes cliffhangers can be like a little feel a little lazy or like or like continue like to be continued can be like feel forced at times or just like uh, we're just cutting off because we don't really have any more until this feels like and in speaking to this, I want to read a little bit from the back. Yeah, the um, afterward kind the of the afterward confirms it, what you're saying, I think it really feels like they and I think we've seen it in all of King of Fears, putting to bed some things that they're like, we don't need this. Like yeah. we're cutting, a, we're cutting the fat. Not that it's not fun. Like lobster joints is not fun, or but we're cutting that away so we can get to really the rest, like continuation of the bigger story. Yeah. And that's what I think. So all these things that we like, questions that we're left with, are just setting up for more, and it's very exciting. It's it's and it's done very skillfully, I think. Yeah. By Arcudi and totally and Mignola. And I think that's why, like, this could be a boring issue. And overall, like, King of Fear has been a very talky five issues. Yeah. But it's but still very good. Really well. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Even, like, I love putting in these two pages with Ponya because it is, like, a continuation of, like, Liz sees this picture of the future. We don't know what's true, if, if that's going to be true. Right. But this puts in little thoughts in our heads of, like, is that going to be the future? Because she just got told she's going to fucking probably be it. Walking around. I've been walking, yeah. And it's because of science. Plus, we have now, like, there was a weird version of Habe, and now we got, like, Devin going, get me away from him. Yeah, yeah. And we also have, like, the sub and all these things, and there's a sadu hem that's just hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, like, really cool how it's all put things to bed, but moving towards a bigger picture. Totally. Make you even more excited. Yeah, and that's basically what Mignola's talking about in the afterward, where it's like, maybe we didn't know exactly where we were going, but like we had some cool ideas. Now we know where we're going, and it's going to be big. You know, it's like very exciting. Yeah. I, which version are you reading? Does yours have an afterword from Mignola or Arcudi? From Mignola. Like, oh, is there any highlights on that besides that you want to point? Because I have one. I'm, I'm reading from the Omnibus, so I have an afterword from Arcudi. Oh, cool. Yeah. I mean, basically, he's like talking about just like he kind of breaks down like, oh, in volume one, we had this. We introduced this cool shit. Like they talk about like the subterraneans and stuff like that. Volume two, you know, we kind of get an idea where we might go with this and like Plague of Frogs, like just talking about like different parts of BPRD contributing to like this larger thing, you know, having like a new headquarters and all this stuff introducing black flame but kind of like not it basically being like you know i'm in the back seat watching like watching him write and just maybe steering it a little bit but now that this is like wrapping up we know exactly what we're going to do with it essentially like his last things are like i'm very content to help steer from the back seat and from here on everybody should be uh should be sure to wear their seat belts so he's basically like it's gonna be huge it's gonna be crazy that's awesome because this yeah. pretty much just adds to that Nice. Our, our cooties because he's just like he just says I'm just going to read these first two paragraphs because I think they're very cool he says yeah Mike may tell you that the series collected in this the last volume of Plague of Frogs marked the point in BPRD's development when he first realized just how big this story was but I'm pretty sure that's not true oh he may not have known that he knew years earlier where this was all going but he knew all the same 
And the proof of that is <laughs> all right in your hands. You see, in the two previous series, Mike had more or less left me on my own. But after Killing Ground, Mike came to me with a plan. And not a plan that he may have come up with overnight. He wanted to completely change the direction of BPRD. And more than that, he wanted to bring the Plague of Frog cycle to an end. At that point, I didn't realize there even was a Plague of Frog cycle. And here he was planning the end. You see what I'm saying? He <laughs> knew all along. Sure, he didn't have all the pieces. Otherwise, why would he need me? But he had a destination and a map. And to bring this all about, he wasn't just talking about one five-issue arc. It would be three miniseries, 15 issues. This seems way too ambitious to me. But once I sat down <laughs> and came up with the outline for the warning, I got it. I understood. And it worried me a little. <laughs> so it's like he just talks further about like how the scale blew of this thing blew up and nice. and so forth. It's just really cool. Like, I think that is a part of it. I think everybody, I don't know, like I as a, somebody that attempts on a daily basis to try to sit down and write and the struggle and you, you know, and the things I love are like this, which are big worlds or, yeah. and, but like, it, it's kind of a reminder that like, you just got to some start sometimes. Yeah. Your bigger world will unfold. And it's not like you don't know, but you got to discover a part of it. That's yeah. what it sounds like. And I think that's very cool to know that. That's like, kind of what Mignola was saying, too. He's like, you kind of like take these characters and wind them up and then see where they go. Like, yeah. it's sort of like you don't you might not know right away. But if you know the character, then they can lead you through the story, which was cool. Yeah, very cool. There's cool sketch the in in the version I'm reading has a cool like sketchbook with Guy Davis notes talking about like black flame design ideas and like, you know, just like there's uh BPRD like suit ideas and stuff like that. How they're like less military and more mm, like dressed down BPRD kind of stuff. Yeah, I have that same uh, uh sketchbook and it's how they really designed the the black flame to be a man who's just been burned. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's like no. just burning inside. It's like not that the suit is evolving, giving him power. It's like he is the flame now. Yeah. Which was cool. Yeah. So cool. I love that they like, it's so funny that they have a really cool design of the the vehicle that we see in, in the Liz's vision. Yes. And, but it's like, it's so funny that you have to, they fully designed it only to be this wreckage. Right. <laughs> I love it. And I love even further, like, and I, I want to read his snippet, is the creatures that we also barely see yeah. in the plane wreckage. Get a bunch of like little versions. <laughs> you have like the, the mutation of a guy at the top or yeah. the, of all five steps. And I love he just says, oh, boy, time for some new creature designs. <laughs> <laughs> and he just says, Mike said the guts falling out was just gross. <laughs> yeah which i take as a compliment but too gross for bprd That's so funny. it was left out <laughs> <laughs> they still have like goo dripping from their mouths and stuff in the comic but yeah it's not as you don't see like stomachs and organs and stuff yeah and i like this like the little note of like it's a tick like Yes. Like the creature, I think that's a very cool thing to know that like what they're sort of going for yeah and how it becomes evolves into what we have in the issue it's nasty it's so nasty <laughs> it's cool to see like when guy like he clearly created a great monster in the book, but it's like to see that it morphed around like Mignola's creation of for the cover, which yeah. is cool little evolution to know that they're like, I think you've set off Mike several times in on Mike, but like, Mignola, like it's one of those rare occasions, even to this point of how far we're getting into it and how much we have ahead of us. He brings in people that he really trusts, but he still has his thumb on everything. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Hell Yeah. I'm very excited. I mean, overall, I'm just very excited to see because, again, we're in the we're in the stage of BPRD that we're me and you are fresh to it. Most of it, you know, For sure. yeah, I mean, I would say all of it. I'm besides, completely. Yeah. And it's very fun to see that they're keeping it together, at least to this point. Um, and just like the, you know, BPRD getting more money, a possibly becoming something that threatens his teammates. Yeah. Liz without powers. Characters returning like Zinko and the in this the cyborg from Garden of Souls. It's like there's so much on the playing field. Yeah, seeing like, the oh. seeing like world powers like acknowledge them, it, uh, you know, and being like, okay, this is a huge problem and a threat to humanity as a whole and stuff like that. Like that's helpful and satisfying to be like, okay, great, the world is recognizing them and helping them. Yeah, and it like makes it feel real because I feel like. 
there are versions of this where they just constantly would like put them like no one like we've seen monster movies or read a lot of monster stories where mo- big monsters like this show up but no one still the world just keeps not believing it right <laughs> and it's it like what we're yeah. like this is like no the world sees what's going on and they truthfully like it plays it realistically yeah like yeah people are going to acknowledge like yeah we need we need to stop this before it becomes a <laughs> right. bigger issue than what it already is huge issue yeah so i really appreciate that them totally doing that with them it was great yeah it's a great read i mean it's again a great season finale for the plague of frogs i can't wait for the next step into the bprd universe yeah great well um we'd love to again once again we want to hear your thoughts especially on the conclusion and overall all of your thoughts on king of fear you can email us again at aw crap a hellboy podcast at gmail.com and we just want to remind you to follow us on instagram at aw crap a hellboy podcast you can please rate and review us and subscribe to whatever platform you get your podcasts we do encourage you to please give us a boom review on Apple Podcast. It's a five-star review. It's starting with the word boom, B-O-O-M. And as soon as any other um, platform does give you that option to review, please do so as well. Give us those uh, those maximum stars and a, a review that starts with the word boom, and we will read your review right here on the show, give you a big old shout-out and praise and love you for giving <laughs> us a boom review. <laughs> Um, but before we get out of here, we wrap things officially up on this final um, episode about King of Fear, which you can I don't know if there's more to say. I, I think we're just we really enjoyed it. Yeah. Good conclusion of this of where the BPRD is going and it sets up for the, a grand future. But do you have any um, suggestions um, for our listeners, Kate, inspired by this or current of to read, watch or enjoy? It makes me that I'm um, playing Metroid Dread for the Ooh. Switch right now. And it's really fun. It's like side scrolly. Like if you like other Metroid games, you'll like it. And there's like big, like a person in a robot suit fighting big monsters, basically. So hell yeah, yeah. So it, it just makes me think of that. I've re- I've really enjoyed it so far. I've not played a Metroid game since trying to play the one on NES, and I was so terrible at it as a child that I just stopped playing. It confused the fuck out of me when I was a kid, and it was scary to yes. me. Like. When it was on any uh, Super Nintendo, I was like, I don't know what's going on. And <laughs> yeah, that even happened at the beginning of this one where I was like, where the fuck am I supposed to go? Like, it's kind of this big maze. Yeah. And you're supposed to, like, revisit areas a bunch of times. But it was driving me crazy because, like, there's, like, parts where you can't access it until you get a power and come back. Yeah. So at first I was like, fuck this game. But it's really fun. <laughs> you, you get to the point where you're like, oh, okay, I get it. I get why people like it. That's awesome. Yeah, it, it ends up being good. Yeah. Great. Um, I would suggest this is just based off of the when the the plane crashes, and the humans are revealed to have changed into these ugly ass creatures. Yeah. This made me remind me of the first episode of Fringe. It's an old Fox. Dude, I just watched Fringe. The Fringe pilot. rules. Jess was really into Fringe, and she was like, "Did you ever watch this?" I was like, "No." But yeah, that's exactly the uh, that's a perfect thing to be related of. People changing on a plane. Yeah. And then yeah. they do that in the it's in the pilot of Fringe, but then the show just gets, I think, better. That's after so that. funny you said that. I just watched the pilot <laughs> this week. That. That's yeah. funny. I do need to revisit it because I think I didn't watch the last season. I think I made it to the Well, just said it's like a JJ Abrams thing, so it like fizzles out or whatever. But it the beginning The first three seasons are at least I know for for sure the first three seasons are fucking cool. Cause yeah, I watched it when I could binge them all, like after nice. it, I went through them so fast. I couldn't stop watching it. I got to do that. And Ozark, I got to start watching. Oh, yeah. Ozark is great. And then my <laughs> my other um, suggestion for people to check out, you as well, Kate, if you haven't already checked this out, it based on just that panel that I was constantly wanted to go back to. And, and I said I would love a printout of it, of the yeah. Sadu Ham and the coloring specifically. The minimalist look that Guy Davis is going with the colors. It made me think of how much I love um jeff darrow's shaolin cowboy um that graphic novel and comic book series if you've never read this i highly suggest it i mean jeff darrow is an amazing artist his detail work is so fun and shaolin oh yeah cowboy is so wild all the different storylines are just uh, there's one i think i can't remember which which of the volumes it is but there's this he fights like a giant crab that's like a mob boss Oh, cool. Probably the Shep Buffet, maybe. Or I can't remember which one. I think that's the one I do 
have maybe maybe have I've two only ever read I've read Hard Boiled. That's what I know this guy from. But yeah, Hard Boiled is amazing. This looks cool. Shyamalan Callaway looks cool. Yeah, the coloring and, and Jeff Barlow are just it's great. So everybody should read Shyamalan. Nice. The guy Davis sure is you and Dave Stewart as a team. You you did as good. Just hell yeah. But those are my uh, suggestions. Um, this was, I mean, this is probably on our shorter side of episodes, but that's okay. Yeah. We're, it was really just we're wrapping up this final uh, thing, and we're excited to see what comes. Totally. And then that's it. I just want to uh, hype you up for next episode. Uh, our next episode coming is going to be, we're going to be covering Hellboy in Mexico, and we're going to be joined by a, a very special guest, returning guest, Friend of the podcast, Hector Navarro. Um, if you can't wait until then to hear Hector's voice, um, you can definitely <laughs> revisit the old episodes or also check out his SpongeBob podcast with Nickelodeon. He that's does that with Ario Grande's, I believe, brother. That's pretty wild. Oh, that's uh, fun. I think that's, that's cool. who he does it with. Um, I'm not. I should have looked up the name of the podcast. That's crazy, dude. He can plug it later. Watch his SpongeBob. Uh, listen to his SpongeBob podcast with Ario Grande's brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's him. Just, uh, you just filled out a Mad Libs, didn't you? That's yeah, like... I just filled out a Mad Libs. <laughs> yeah. <That's not> true. <laughs> but very excited to, to visit and read Hellboy in Mexico with Hector. Yeah. So that will be next week. We'll see you then. Um, thank you again for listening. And remember. We love you. Have you ever encountered an unexplained hairy bipedal hominid in the woods? Have you received telepathic messages from an unidentified aerial phenomenon? If so, then you need to listen to Bigfoot Collectors Club. I'm Michael McMillan. And I'm Bryce Johnson. And together with super producer... Riley Bray. We make up the Bigfoot Collectors Club. That's right. Every week we talk to actors, comedians, writers, and paranormal experts about their personal paranormal histories and share stories of high strangeness. Like the time when we talked to Craig Ferguson about the Loch Ness Monster and when a sea witch told him he had raven magic. Or the time I asked Pitch Perfect's Anna Camp her opinion on cattle mutilations. Past guests have included Rachel Bloom, Jen Kirkman, Paul F. Tompkins, Bobcat Goldthwait, and more. So if you've ever been abducted alongside five reindeer by an alien with grills for hands or witnessed Bigfoot crawl out of an interdimensional portal, don't laugh, happens all the time, then check out Bigfoot Collectors Club on Campfire Media or wherever you get your podcasts. Bigfoot Collectors Club, you're You're here here to to believe believe us. Wait, is that how it goes? Campfire.